Hi, my name is Zara. And my name is Maisha. And you're listening to That's What They Said. Where we break down the them versus us narrative. Before we dive into our episode today, just a friendly reminder that if you guys have any comments or any feedback about our episodes, feel free to reach out to us on our socials. Our Instagram handle is that's what they said podcast, or you can tweet us at that's what they said CA, or you can even download the Podacy app and uh, directly ask us questions about any episode. You just have to search that's what they said CA and you'll find us. And if you want to listen to our episodes, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and on podbean.com so yeah please feel free to uh, leave a review for us or rate us and Mm -hmm. subscribe and follow and if you like what you hear don't forget to spread the word yes all right so today we're going to be discussing the government versus the people now before we get into detail about this if any of you have been watching the news you've seen that recently there's been a wave of protests that have Mm -hmm. swept across continents and many different countries from chile to uk to france to hong kong which is probably the more popular one that everybody knows about And, you know, we haven't seen such a simultaneous outpouring of such anger and such frustration at the governments. Like, in recent times, there hasn't really been such a wave of it. Mm -hmm. If you go back to the 1960s, this was very popular during the civil rights movements in the United States, the anti-Vietnam War sentiments, Mm -hmm. the anti-government protests in China and in other parts of the world. And then again in the 1980s and 1990s, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of protests, say, against the anti-Soviet domination in Eastern European countries. Mm -hmm. Right. So and in a bit more recent times, we've had the Arab Spring protests as well as the Occupy movement. So now in more recent times, what we're seeing is that they're happening at an unprecedented scale across so many regions of the world that we just discussed. And the common theme with the protests that are happening in today's time is the widening economic inequality and the anger at the political class. Yeah. Often these protests actually got triggered by one measure that hit the poor, working, and lower middle class with next to no consequences for the wealthy and elite. For example, uh, let's take the example of Chile. Mm-hmm. There, uh, because of a hike in the transit fare, high school students essentially were like, this is impacting us the most, yeah. not just students, you know, lower working class. They're, they're the people who would use public transit, transit the most. most yeah. And therefore, um, you know, it went, it was bizarre to see how the protests, you know, spiraled into something so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, or let it be the fact that, you know, in France, the uh, Yellow Vest movement got kicked off by the fact that there was a support for curbing carbon emissions. But the way the government went about it was by increasing the fuel tax, which impacted the rural communities and the working class the most. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people went on major protests across the country. Or let it be in Lebanon, where the government wanted to implement a tax on calls yeah. on WhatsApp. That's yeah. very ridiculous. That's like, very ridiculous. Considering how much people use WhatsApp. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons they use WhatsApp is because it's free. It's free, exactly. Mm-hmm. And or the more and I think the most known protest right now in the world is the one in Hong Kong, which started because of the extradition bill that was introduced by the Hong Kong government, which would allow Hong Kong citizens to be prosecuted to be extradited to mainland China and be prosecuted there, and therefore violating the one country, two system and the autonomy of Hong Kong in general. Yeah. So I think in today's episode, we're going to actually explore, look at, look through these protests, look through the fundamental themes of these protests, and essentially look into whether in these times, the saying, government, a government is by the people, for the people, and of the people, does it really apply in today's times? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think... Let's look into what are have what have been the demands of the protesters. Mm-hmm. So the demands of the protesters, I guess Masha kind of went through them just now, but 
at first glance, they might seem like they're small things mm-hmm. that are that that the people are requesting. For example, remove this tax, remove this, whatnot, and that's what's triggered it, right? Mm-hmm. But really, the message gets wider. So basically, for example, we'll go back to Chile. The major things that protesters are demanding is that these initial trigger points they be repealed. For mm-hmm. example, the transit in, the transit hike, the four percent increase, they want that to be yeah. removed. And then the extradition bill, they want that to be removed. Yeah. And then in Ecuador, where the fuel subsidies were removed, the protesters wanted wanted that to be repealed. But that's just the initial demands that they had. But going forward, it's just in, in general the the displeasure that they have with the government because just the way that they've been processing in the system has been going, it's really hitting the working class. Yeah. The working class is suffering the most from mm-hmm. this inequality, this yeah. economic inequality that countries are not fixing. So, for example, the main example would be France. In France, there was an increase in the carbon tax that led to the increase in the price of diesel. Mm-hmm. And the, diesel is a very important day-to-day item that you need, especially for rural working-class families because they don't have access to public transit as much, so they do rely on their cars mm-hmm. more. In addition to that, there's also reduction in speed limits, and basically all this impacts the rural communities the most. And price of diesel in general was very high in, in France. France, so increasing that price really hit people hard. Yeah. And I think in addition to those measures that, you know, the French government introduced to curb carbon emissions, the government was also trying to introduce economic reforms, so cuts in housing taxes mm-hmm. and then cut in the wealth tax. And this is the part that I think really pissed people off because yeah. they were like, here we are trying to make ends meet and then you go ahead and cut the wealth these tax like yeah. they already have so much money why can't they pay a bit more like exactly. why are you giving them that break so i think a lot of these trigger points mm-hmm. were measures that were hitting people and it felt and you know a lot of these protests is a culmination of like decades of social and economic injustice to say because yeah. you know people sort of have a faith in the government right mm-hmm. the go to elections and you know not every I would say not any demo, no democracy is perfect right yeah. there are flaws in every political system even in France right the mother of all democracies technically even they have flaws right yeah. and but people go to elections people vote and your vote counts because that's the way for you to voice your opinion yeah. but when people realize that you know years are going by and young people especially in this day and age when they realize that you know we're not being able to they're realizing and research is showing that young people now will not be able to have the life that their parents did. That is, a lot of them might not be even, like in Vancouver, Mm -hmm. young people are apparently forecasted to not be able to ever completely own a house house unless a hundred years later, sort of. So if you think about that, these measures are really hitting those in the working class, those in rural communities, those in the lower middle class or young people who are just starting out their career. And when you're just starting out your career, your pay is not a lot, really, mm-hmm. right? So it, it sort of is a cycle where, yeah. you know, on the one hand, there's politicians who during elections are promising you big measures, right? Yeah. And in some cases, some countries like Lebanon and in yeah. Iraq, politicians are exploiting the divisions of the people, Yeah. right? So I think in Iraq and Lebanon, where a lot of the politicians over time have exploited the sectarian differences. So, for example, in Lebanon, the protest started with all people essentially getting angry at the fact that government is about to impose a tax on a free service. Yeah. Right. But then now what it has morphed into is people from all different sects have come together and are protesting against the government yeah. because they're realizing that for decades these politicians have been exploiting the sectarian differences. Yeah. Like, you know, for example, a Shia politician or a Sunni politician, they'll go out there and then they, t- they tell Sunni people or Shia Muslims that we are trying to protect your interests yeah. you need to vote for us to get mm-hmm. in power. But that's a very selfish thing, you know? They're saying all that so they can get in power and yeah. they can reach the uh, places where they can make decisions or siphon off millions and billions of dollars into their 
their pocket. Yeah. Now what has happened is people are just fed up. And this is a situation in both Iraq and Lebanon. And that's something that's truly surprised the world, that how this... Uh, anger at the political class against the establishment, against the powerful and rich people, has truly united different sects. And in Lebanon, yeah. literally the chant uh, for, and the slogan that protesters it's are saying is... all of you, right? Yeah, yeah. All of them means all of them. Yeah, They're so saying, all the different sects that are kind of exploiting them, they want they want all of them to step down, or not step down, but all of them to make changes. Yeah, and you realize that, you know, there should be a sense of collective unity, mm -hmm. right? Because this divide and conquer strategy that it's a lot not, of these politicians yeah. have been using, it's, it's not really worked for the people so there's that like yeah. political device that got exploited and then there's on the other hand politicians who yeah who promise economic uh Reform, success yeah but they yeah and there's, there's that too much of an inequality between the working class and the rich class yeah and yeah and that's primarily also because there's they know so much information now they see mm -hmm. that divide more yeah so people are fed up and they yeah. want to change yeah. Okay, so the next thing we're going to discuss is what are the factors that make the protests of today unique? Mm -hmm. So the, one of the main things that make today's protests unique, and I guess this is for everything in life today, the thing that affects us the most is social media. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of goes to what I said just a little while ago, where social media has allowed so much more information to be available mm -hmm. at just the fingertips of everyone. So you're seeing all the problems that the, the different governments have, you're seeing all the data that shows that you are suffering, you are lagging behind mm -hmm. the, that shows the, dis the differences between the wealthy and the poor, especially in countries like Lebanon and Iraq, where that divide is so high. You have or, extreme poverty, yeah. and then you have extreme or wealthy. Or even in, even in like, say for example, the US, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's like, you know, in every news outlet and, and even in social media, it's like, oh my God, it's like, what is news? Yeah. News is how Jeff Bezos loses rank number one as yeah. a billionaire, right? Yeah. I mean, and a, per, and, a, and a mother or like a young man who, you know, just is doing like a minimum wage job. Mm -hmm. When they look at this, they're like, here I am struggling to pay my children's healthcare bills or daycare bills. Yeah. Or I'm trying to, or as a young person, I'm trying to make my life, uh, save money to buy a house. And here these rich people are, that they're like, you know, the news is about how they're changing. And social media exactly. makes it easy for us to see that. Yeah, and even thinking about how Jeff Bezos, for example, he makes so much money in a year, and then what he pays his workers. Yeah. And that can, that can really build frustrations, and fairly mm -hmm. so. So the internet basically makes information more readily available, and not only does it make it available, but it helps spread it. Because, mm -hmm. for example, going back to WhatsApp, WhatsApp can really help you spread your messages across, mm -hmm. across generations of people, because yeah. first of all, your messages are encrypted, so not yeah. many people can... Um, the government can, the government hack, can hack your it. messages, right? Yeah. So you can, you can go ahead and organize your protests... Quicker, you can organize your protests in a safer way, I yeah. guess. Yeah, in a more private way, yeah. and you can really get that movement going and sustain that movement yeah. over a longer period and of I time. Also, think that if it's like WhatsApp, encrypted platforms like WhatsApp and Telegram allow people to sort of essentially say, for example, in one neighborhood, something happened, like you know, government uh, security forces were being extremely violent with the protesters. That news can be spread, spread yeah. And in another group of protesters, you could be seen that they've come out in larger numbers mm -hmm. to protest that violent measure. Yeah. So what that basically means is that today's protests, unlike protests of the past where there was a leader at the front of the protest, a party mm -hmm. maybe supporting a protest, or a group supporting a protest, yeah. now today's protests, they're more decentralized, they're leaderless protests, mm -hmm. and they're powered by social media. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on and internet services, services yeah. that are provided by the internet. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that because these protests are so decentralized and 
leaderless and internet and social media now makes it easy for people to organize and sustain these protests yeah. right so what happens is usually in the past and even like five years ago when or even i don't know more than a decade ago when there'd be protests government had one or two representatives to yeah. negotiate with exactly. right like what is exactly that you, want, you want and how can we help right sort of there's like someone to talk to right now because it's like leaderless mm-hmm. and this is truly this is like this is the disruption. You know how in almost every industry there's been disruption, even in politics now and democracy, yeah. there's disruption. The government is realizing that there's no one to directly for me to negotiate with. Exactly. I'm just facing anger. Yeah. And, and frustration. I think because it's leaderless, it's also it's also it's like a slippery slope because even the protests can't have splits within them. So mm-hmm. for example, in France, the Yellow Vest movement, um, around they started it's been a year they started yeah. and when they started it was in full force. Yes. You know, it, around the rich suburbs and rich parts of central Paris, they were like breaking stores because there was just so much anger. I think then around May when there was going to be European parliamentary elections a part of the protest movement was voicing that maybe we should send candidates to stand in the election. Oh, and then there was okay. another part of the movement that said, no, we just need to, you know, go out on the street and, and just demand, show anger. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, within the protest, there can be splits like that. Yeah. Who will step in or who's the leader who can say, like, calm down. Yeah. This is our goal. Exactly. And like, you know, similar to that, in the past, there was a leader that you can negotiate with. And in the past, the reasons for protests were also different. Mm-hmm. For example, you wanted an autocratic government to step down. Mm-hmm. You wanted that government to hold a fair election. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of, the government at that point can be like, I'm resigning, or we're going to have a new election set mm-hmm. up, or, you know, we're going to let women vote, we're going to let um, these rights, whatever, give these rights to people. But like now it's the civil different. rights movement, right? Exactly. Like you just have to pass laws to give equal rights mm-hmm. yeah. to people of color. You can give an immediate... Like, you can please the people immediately mm-hmm. with something, right? But now it's like, even if you are able to please the protesters with, say, repealing a bill or whatnot, there's just so much more that mm-hmm. they're, that people are demanding because there's been, like, decades and decades of just inequality, which is what yeah. we've been talking about. Like, and people are not satisfied yeah. with just that one thing because when you protest for one reason and then, a, like, a, a list of other reasons come up and mm-hmm. then, um, to add to that, the government's reactions to these protests have been not the best, right? Yeah. They're they're not they're violating basic human rights sometimes, mm-hmm. and so then people want justice for that as well. Like, why didn't you let me give me my right of peaceful assembly? Yeah, and that maybe that peaceful assembly because you didn't give me that right, it turned into a violent assembly. Yeah. Exactly, and I think yeah. Tara mentioned a good point that how protests before where it would be about one like within the Arab Arab uprising, right? It yeah. was about against autocratic governments, and you know those governments would step down elections would be held right Mm -hmm. but what i think now people realize is you know these protests are not just a culmination of like decades of economic and social injustice Mm -hmm. but also people realize that we tried protesting in 2011 especially in like movies and they made a lot of fake promises and they didn't deliver and exhibit a government didn't do anything yeah like their vote didn't matter exhibit a egypt right so it really doesn't matter so now people i think are realizing that you know what a we're not going to be demanding small things you know which is what it's like you know one small measure has ticked off people and the protest has morphed into something massive that governments i don't think foresaw uh, for like saw that coming yeah they probably didn't think that four four percent increase or WhatsApp is going to trigger people. They probably yeah. were just like, we'll get away with it. Yeah, but it did, right? It did. And now people are like, I think what they're, what they're, what they're demanding is often about like people are angry, right? So now mm. they're saying we want justice now. 
but a lot of measures that you have to implement to give people like a fair opportunity to reduce income inequality these are a lot sometimes it needs structural reforms within the economy yeah. and that can take if not five years maybe a decade yeah. or two decades to show right yeah, so it could easy. be that this generation who's out there the young men and women who are there protesting they might not be able to you know get the changes the benefit of these yeah. their actions but the future yeah the future generation but right now they're angry. but how can you trust that the governments are really going to even do it do this honestly do this in exactly a, in so a, i think there's there's a trust there's a lack of trust, trust in yeah. politicians and democracy and in government and that's that's extremely mm-hmm. uh that just creates anarchy, yeah. you know, that, that just creates more lawlessness. And I think for politicians, that this is a reckoning, sort of. Yeah. You know, I guess it's known that politicians are, they exploit the money that they have, right? Mm-hmm. They don't use it for the benefit of the people. That's the reputation that politicians mm-hmm. have. So the protesters are fed up. They're, they, that trust mm-hmm. is just gone. Mm-hmm. They think they're going to, whatever money that they have to make these reforms, they're not going to use it for these mm-hmm. reforms. Just gonna use it to put in their own pockets. Yeah. yeah, and even even I think that you know what's surprising about these protests or what I found surprising is that mm-hmm. these protests are not just like people usually you know say that these protests happen in developing countries. You know, mm-hmm. so Chile and Lebanon and Iraq and stuff. Yeah. But they've also been happening in developed countries, yeah. like in France. In well-developed yeah. democracies, exactly. Yeah, like France. And uh, even in the, across in Europe, the UK, there was a yeah. wave of protests. Mm-hmm. Let it be in uh, Austria or Hungary against mm-hmm. the far right. Or let it be in Serbia or let it be in uh, Sweden. Yeah. Right. So the protests have been... So people are just realizing that as citizens, we're more informed now and that yeah. information is power. Exactly. And information is power, but they feel powerless and that's what's they can't forcing act on them. It. Yeah. And that's what's kind of bringing them into the streets. They're yeah. not coming to the streets to overthrow someone, but they're bringing to the streets to demand things that affect them on an everyday yeah. basis. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, as I said, it's like a reckoning for politicians and government. Mm-hmm. And gov- it's, it, it's right now, well, you know, let's go into the next part, yeah. part where we look into how governments have reacted to these protests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've reacted in two different ways. The first way is they conceded to the demands and they've backtracked and they've, they've taken some actions mm-hmm. to change or to, to meet the demands of the people. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is that they took some oppressive, oppressive measures. So mm-hmm. focusing on the first one, um, go, just give an example of Chile. So when, when the protesters got in the street, there were some, some actions that the governments took, such as they canceled the hike in transit pricing, mm-hmm. they reshuffled their cabinets, they, um, they've, they've said that in 2020 they're going to re- rewrite the constitution or they're mm-hmm. going like, to sit down and actually work on making a new constitution. Older because, referendum. Yeah, so they're, because their older constitution is from their dictatorship era, so mm-hmm. clearly that needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, then in, Fra- in France, they redacted the fuel tax. Yeah. And in Lebanon, the WhatsApp tax was canceled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's other, in France especially, there's other calculated efforts, just town halls were held to listen yeah. to people. Yeah. Um, there were, um, so other demands met, but is that enough? Yeah. And I think, you know, so as much as you're conceding and backtracking and trying to, like, handle things in a calm way, even in, develop, and this is regardless of what state your democracy is exactly. or what state your economy is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, on the other hand, the second way governments have tried to deal with it is actually, on the one hand, say that you understand the demands, and on the other, use oppressive and sometimes violent measures. Yeah. So even Chile started out by saying that, you know, yes, we're going to cancel the transit hike, yeah. but then... Because the protests had morphed into sometimes, sometimes these 
sometimes the first way the government deals with things comes a little too late. Yes. And by that time, protests have morphed into such a massive movement. Mm-hmm. The government are like, we need to send, like in Chile, they send military tanks on. Yeah. And, you know, I think almost 25 people have been killed yeah. by security forces. And even you look into Iraq, like Iraq's protests have been going for over a month now. Yeah. And over 300 people have died. That's that's insane. That's such a large imagine? number. Yeah, and then they resort to things like, initially they resort to tear gas, right? Yeah. Which tear gas might not be, might not have such long-term side effects to people, but in the moment, if you're if you're someone who has asthma or, or lung problems, that tear gas really affects you. Yeah. And then, you know, it's been proven that tear gas prevents authorities. Mm-hmm. When they have tear gas just spread around, it prevents authorities from taking that uh, impulsive decision to shoot somebody because mm-hmm. they have a gun with them. And so yeah. instead of shooting a protesters apparently tear gas yeah like puts that down but even tear gases are not working yeah it gets violent it gets crazy so then there's live ammunition Mm -hmm. there's batons to beat people there's violence and then the violence comes from both sides then because people are easily agitated because i think most protests did start as a non-violent movement right yes even in hong kong when it started it was a non-violent movement like people Mm -hmm. would form human chains to show like of all ages people came out on the road and school students high school students they came out on the road but when they saw security forces were implementing violent measures that's when i think it's like it's natural like if you if someone's attacking you you will defend yourself yeah especially when you are out there demanding what the government was supposed to give you in the first place. Yeah. So you're saying, first of all, you're already you're already denying me my rights. Yeah. And now when I ask for my rights, you're tear gassing me. You're shooting me. Yeah. So obviously they're gonna get yeah. And I think and I think another another tactic the government in this digital era have uh, that they have adopted is shutting down internet. Oh my god. Yeah. And most recently we saw that in Iran where you know protests have you know uh, gone. Um, in a bit and in a large scale protests have happened due to increase in fuel prices and what the government did and you know already a hundred people have died in Iran yeah. and what this the, is a recent protest yes and what government did I think it was just only a few days ago there was a five day massive internet shutdown so what they did is similar to what in China how China has a great firewall firewall on its internet yeah so outside world like us we don't really know what's happening exactly. in China right yeah. so Iran did something similar in those five days mm-hmm. the in Iranian internet and the Iranian population recovered by a sort of like Iranian firewall yeah. and they didn't have ex- have access to the outer world exactly. and the outer world, outer world couldn't communicate with anyone yeah. on the ground in Iran. Exactly and word had to be spread through posts to try to get the international community yeah. to recognize it. Yeah. yeah, I actually work with an Iranian um, a person from Iran and he hasn't been able to reach out to his family. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been able to reach out to his family for days mm-hmm. and in one way it's unfortunate but he's happy that he's not reaching out to his family because he doesn't want his family he doesn't want that his family is tracked based on their calls yeah. and based on them reaching out to people in North America thinking that they're spies. Yeah. 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 So that's just a scary world to live in when you can't reach out to your family and you're afraid that your government's listening to you. And that's another thing they do. They surveil their citizens. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think this how governments have reacted, you know, in some cases reactions have been, you know, have sort of like you know placated or and uh, calmed down the protesters like i think in france it worked to some extent because the movement has been a year and it's kind of died down yeah. like principally a lot of protesters still agree with the movement the yellow vest movement but they mm-hmm. say some of the protesters went too violent you yeah. know so i think for governments to even concede to the demands sometimes it's tricky yeah. because the protesters on the road are not the entire country's population no. right it, there are a, there is they might be the young women and men and or they might be people of all ages mm-hmm. but and they might be the majority but there's still a significant minority to consider yeah right in chile when the protest started a lot of older generation people were like 
you were why is why all this like why are these such massive protests needed in and why does it have to become violent because mm-hmm. the, uh, the older generation is like these younger people are not so they say younger people are not are taking for granted the right to vote yeah. and this is something that the older generation actually fought against the dictator yeah. to even get that right to vote so they're like if you want to show your anger go to elections right and mm-hmm. when you when you think about it it's like in France, I think the protesters were placated by the fact that, you know, a lot of the measures were, you know, backtracked and mm-hmm. government did. Uh, the president of France did town halls with citizens to try to understand. And which is why now principle, the principle behind the movement still exists, yeah. but not the large scale uh, movement on the road. Yeah. So the government is very aware that it can take another measure. Like, you know, if you've been given a second chance, you can mess up now, yeah. sort of. Yeah. But there's also the cut where there's also democracies or flawed democracies in a way that there, I think, governments you resort to violent measures. Yeah, and you know that's one thing. They resort to violence, me- violent measures, or they um, they actually go ahead and repeal the bills, or try to talk to the people. And then there's the other where there's just straight out denial, and you're blaming the opposition party or oh, an yes. international force, a greater yeah. international force trying to meddle in your politics. For example, I know in China um, they blamed this. I think there was in quotations like this is somehow the work of the U.S. Oh yeah, or, so West, even going back to Bangladesh, there, maybe from where we're from, there's always a blame the opposition. They're triggering the protesters. They're throwing in their own protesters. Yeah. This is not real. This is yeah. all a mastermind plan. Yeah, and I don't know if denial really is the answer to this problem. I mean, it's definitely not, right? It means you're invalidating these millions, sometimes Mm -hmm. thousands, sometimes even millions of people that are out on the road, that they're risking their lives. They're Like, think about an 18-year-old in Hong Kong who's protesting, right? They're literally just starting out their life. And when they get arrested and jail, it stays on their record. Exactly. Don't you think that impacts which university they get sent to, which, what kind of jobs they can apply exactly. for. And, you know, there's no denying that there might be people taking advantage of a situation. Yeah. But that is not the main reason that these people are putting their lives in risk and getting out mm-hmm. on the streets and doing yeah. this. So I think it's even that that la- that invalidation that people mm-hmm. feel that I'm out here protesting. Well, first of all, that's a huge decision to do. Yeah. And secondly, yeah, that invalidation. Yeah, I'm scared to go, on a pro- to go to a protest. It's a, I think it's a brave stance to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's the invalidation that they get from their governments, right? Yeah. So I think... This right now, the world we live in now is truly tricky in the sense that internet and social media gives us a lot of information, which is great. But it also, as informed citizens, it also gives makes us more aware of honestly how sometimes powerless we are. Yeah. And sometimes you think you like you think voting makes a difference, but in between the four years of an election, your life can pretty much go to shit. Yeah. By the by the government you thought would yeah. stand up for you. And when you think that your only way to change that shit is wait four years to vote for another person, and then another, you wait group four of, years? another group of people goes, life goes to shit in the yeah. next four years, and there's no guarantee that the party you're going to vote for is actually going to be yeah. voted in, it makes you feel powerless. So then, yeah, like, you, it really, I think, through all these protests, and even, like, I would even talk about mm-hmm. the U.S., right? I mean, U.S.'s democracy is is brilliant in the sense that I think you can write to your elected officials, right? And a lot of politicians say that, like, well, I write to your elected officials yeah. here so that yeah. they hear your voice. And I think even in the U.S., you don't you see major protests, but I think what a lot of the protests happens on the digital area, right? Yes. Say, for example, Twitter. Yeah, trending right? hashtag. Yeah, those mm-hmm. are trending. So if you really look at that, I think overall, if you look at from protests in Chile, France, digital protests to say in the US mm-hmm. or in Lebanon or in uh, Hong Kong or in Indonesia, I think all these protests show that because people are more informed as citizens, they're more aware that right now at this moment, 
this life that they're le- le- living is is not they can have a better life yeah but they're not being given one yeah so that begs the question are these protests effective yeah so are these people as we're saying now are they doing it because they're truly wanting a change or are they doing it because it's kind of become mm-hmm. a trend or it's mm-hmm. become the status quo mm-hmm. so i definitely think that in one way protests protests are effective mm-hmm. you know social change unless it's disruptive it's not going to do anything you know social change needs to be disruptive to be effective mm-hmm. and to create that daily change in people's lives sometimes you have to get out on the streets yeah mm-hmm. but as as protests become more common right there yeah. is there's also that that i think government feel less threatened by it because they could just think that oh you know it's like it's a phase mm-hmm. it's going to happen for a few months it's going to happen for a few weeks and then it's going to die down yeah so they're right? less threatened by it yeah and they're less likely to take action yeah. right so or some people might even say that this is just in hype yeah right this is oh right now in the moment it's my massive thing yeah. and this is what is hyped up this is what mm-hmm. is in trend yeah. and you know solidarity is fashion, fashion and a lot of government not just government i think politicians even they could just be politicians and, and even the thing is this is even thought by a lot of citizens in of the countries in which the protests are happening exactly. right like as i said in chile right there's so older generation who are just like you know is it necessary at this scale can't mm-hmm. you wait sort of and i feel like you know social media has truly like wired our brains into instant gratification yeah that you are you get we get frustrated very easily our generation yeah. we want things now mm-hmm. and i know personally that social media has completely made me impatient as a person yeah for sure <laughs> you get that instant gratification right yeah and and you know the thing that i think puts off a lot of people is that carnival carnival atmosphere that comes along mm-hmm. with the protest mm-hmm. because on uh, many protests there's live music there's popular musicians coming and putting on shows for people like the one there's, in Lebanon yeah there's celebrations there's um very impassioned speeches there's like people becoming a celebrity that weren't like say for Greta Thunberg she became a huge celebrity from mm-hmm. the climate movement and people have a certain um people have a certain like disdain for that yeah. they're just like are you here to have fun are you here to have a party or are you here to make change yeah right and yeah, i can see where that's off putting but it's also at the same time it's like it keeps things peaceful in one yeah, way yeah like i think you know at the end of the day it's like protesters are realizing we can rally but then it's something nice to come back to in the middle in like a central square of their city right yeah like central square and show that we're united and we're peaceful we're not just yeah. here to throw bombs and things at you yeah. we're here and we're united and mm-hmm. we're there's a lot of us and we're here for yeah. it yeah but i can see where that carnival atmosphere like i at times have also looked at news and be like what are they doing but yeah. then you know i i think you have to just think of both sides yeah i mean at that it, point it, protesting like continuously can be exhausting yeah right so mm-hmm. it's sort of like a break for them yeah yeah and I, mm-hmm. I and as i said you know there's a significant minority might who might actually say that there's a carnival atmosphere you don't really believe in the yeah. uh, principles of it yeah. right and as i said earlier that you know even for protests like in france or chile there are a significant minority who might not agree with the approach that the protesters are taking yeah. that is by for example a lot of people a lot of people might not have agreed with the fact that in response to chile's increase in public transit fares high school students literally were jumping the turnstiles on in subways like, <laughs> that kind of looks chaotic right yeah, if i'm in subway yeah you just see the oh wow high school students are jumping the turnstile they're and that's like a rebel without a cause almost. yeah it's yeah. kind of that right mm-hmm. and you think about that oh like i don't know so there are people so they're citizens of your own country as well and your fellow uh, citizens fellow brothers and sisters sort of who might not agree with the approach these mm-hmm. protesters are taking but they agree with you principally yeah right exactly and i think at the end of the day all these protests one uh, you know one question that really comes up is how long will these protests last yeah, that's right good like how long when are you going to be satisfied with mm-hmm. the government with what they're offering you yeah. and 
do you keep going? How yeah. long does it go on for? Like, is it going to go on for years? Yeah. I know China, the China protests have been going on, the Hong Kong protests have been going on for six months now. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think finally they're going to have local elections mm-hmm. and the soon, very, very soon, yeah. I think in just a few days. Uh, and that, and the timing of that is good, right? Because now protesters can truly show their anger by turning out to vote exactly. and vote for the person that they think will deliver on what they want, on yeah. their demands, mm-hmm. right? And then there's times when that won't satisfy people, right? Yeah. And they're going to go back to the streets. Yeah. Something's going to happen. So really, I think these governments really have to take this seriously. Like, they're, this is their job. They were elected. You were by government of the people. Of the people, for the people. You were elected by these officials or you were you were trusted by, not officials, you were elected by these people, people and you were um, trusted by these people to make their lives better, be it for economic stances, be it for social stances, be it for just providing a peaceful political process. Like, yeah. that's your job and you're supposed to be it. Yeah. And, you know, history... History has it that protests have made protests have made major changes mm-hmm. in in people's lives. You know? Yes, many 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 changes in the world came about because of protests. So yeah. the protests could make a major change now. They could really open up the eyes of people, mm-hmm. uh, eyes of governments to do well for the people. But you know, there's a huge human life cost that comes with it. Yeah, in Iraq, three hundred people dying. That's not a that's not a small number. Yeah. yeah. So really, is it worth it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. and I. And I See, I think that, you know, the longevity of these protests, one can argue that, you know, how long can they go? Because a lot of these protesters are students, uh, workers, uh, old people, kids, like, you know, they have to go back to their lives. So one can argue that it's going to die down soon. And that's true. But politicians shouldn't take that for granted and think that it's going to die down soon. So it's not important. Well, you need to realize that even if these protesters are out there for a couple weeks or even a couple months of their lives, your country is incurring a lot of damages, a lot of millions and billions of dollars in damages to vehicles, to roads, to the disruption of the economy. And those things need to be considered. If you think of it as a phase, that means you're truly not acknowledging yeah. the problem and you're invalidating the demands of the protesters. Yeah, and the demands are always going to change throughout time. Yeah. The demands might not be the same as what they were back then. Mm-hmm. The protests might have been more scattered. There might yeah. have been more immediate results to the protests. Yeah. But fact of the matter is we live in a different time different things affect us yeah and this wave of protest that's happening mm-hmm. and this is a huge wave yeah. like chile argentina albania spain yeah. iraq iran uh pakistan yeah right this is the europe yeah. you know, countries in europe it's it's not just it's not just the region of the world it's the entire world yeah. that's rising up in protest they're wanting more they have more information and they want more yeah because they have the information they know they're not getting what they deserve and the government i think really needs to not Think of it as faith and and honestly go back to the drawing board and realize that our role as politicians and something as government, as elected officials and, you know, because a lot lot of time people get elected and Mm -hmm. they only, and they only, a small group of powerful and elite and rich and the wealthy people are benefited from those elections, right? Yes. And then you've got the masses who are not. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a system that's existed for decades. A yeah. system that has existed for decades, which means that a lot of people are comfortable in that system. Yeah. But... Also, the masses, the majority, have been kind of like excluded from the system, which kind of has like trickle down benefits, mm-hmm. because the majority was never a part of it, or they realize that we're being we're being deprived of a fair opportunity. And I think because we now realize because of how much information we have, we are just more aware, right? Because there's multiple research that says that economic inequality has actually not is not the worst; it's kind of improved. So what I think has change is how people are become more aware, have become more aware exactly. about that information mm-hmm. and because they're more aware they actually will risk to get mm-hmm. out on the streets so governments 
can't take it as a phase and they need to address it because otherwise imagine this like purchase happen once a year every time once a year in a couple of weeks in a couple of months your economy is literally on a standstill yeah. no more economic growth okay all that progress that you've done for decades is going to be stalled yeah. and you're going to lose out as a nation so if you truly are a government by the people of the people and most importantly for, for the, the people, people then you need to really think about what you're doing mm-hmm. and really think about what your citizens want and sure i'm not going to deny that you know a lot of these demands are truly like sometimes the way they're asking for it thinking that consequences can be um, immediate achieved now immediately yeah that's not possible no, right possible. i mean if you're demanding economic reforms if you're saying that you want to how you want the housing crisis to be over no measure can immediately solve it it yes. will take a couple years exactly right and at the end of the day i think government I, I mean, honest I, reassurance is yeah what and i need. think and i think sometimes i mean i'm i feel like i don't know what you would do as a government because you're trying to tell the protesters okay we're taking measures calm down and they're not right yeah. and i think sometimes that that lack of trust in democracy that yeah. lack of trust in your government and elected officials and that lack of authenticity are you saying it truly because you believe in your people and you want them to do better or are you saying it because you're a politician yeah. and that's what's going to save your ass now that's that's a good point broken trust i think that's kind of the root of this problem like mm-hmm. broken trust there's there's no one trusts each other at this point yeah. and the world there's a lot of broken trust throughout the world mm-hmm. so these pro- this wave of protests i don't see it coming to and 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 yeah. anytime soon but i'm hoping there's positive outcomes from this so i think it's, it's yeah. literally government you know just like any other industry in the world even democracy it's not an industry but even that is getting disrupted because politicians mm-hmm. are realizing that the that, that their constituents are now more aware their constituents no more are willing to act more and their young constituents are getting deprived of what their parents have gotten mm-hmm. so because of that it's yeah so i think it's important for governments to really go back to the drawing board and politicians to realize that you can no longer survive against the mob and i put this in quotes <laughs> because to them it might look like a mob heading for them right yeah you can no longer survive against your citizens unless you truly cater to their demands yeah right and not think that oh i'm demand i'm satisfying one demand out of five that should be great no yeah it's just not and i didn't like the mob mentality that you're saying a mob kind of attacks you without Mm-hmm. knowledge right mm-hmm. but we have the knowledge now you but know what? that's yeah. what needs to be recognized by the exactly. government don't think of it as a mob yeah. think of it actually your citizens yeah. who are coming to talk exactly. to you and whether or not we like whether or not we um want to or not our newsfeed automatically gives us what we don't even ask for yeah we might not even want to know what the government just passed but mm-hmm. we open our phones and there you go we just found out the government did this which is completely preposterous or ridiculous mm-hmm. we're gonna go yeah protest for it and and you know at the end of the day a lot of this economic and social injustice that's been going on for decades really right because mm-hmm. now we see that you know free a lot which is, this is exactly what a lot of people are you know protesting even against capitalist capitalism exactly. right yeah. because they're saying that the free market and capitalism this only benefits the few and leaves out the masses yeah, leaves even the majority even supporters of free markets are starting to question principles that have been in place for long yeah in that free market yeah like yeah. why capitalism only benefits makes a few rich makes a few billionaires and then the masses are just yeah. you know struggling paycheck to and paycheck the wealth gap is increasing all over the world yeah exactly so at the end of the day i think you know and we were taught we were in our episode today talking about protests from all different parts of the world i mean i think one protest that we haven't really focused or mentioned in detail was the climate protest yes right and i think that's because i think 
to be honest, climate protest is something that even to our listeners, our listeners in the world knows a lot about, yeah. right? Because it's it's trending and mm-hmm. it's it's there. A lot of kids have gone out and kudos to all of them. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's the point. It's not just that one protest that's sweeping the world. It's, it's so many. It's so many across yeah, the world. While, while every Friday people are out there protesting climate, every, in other parts of the world, people are protesting anything you can think of at this point. Yeah, I mean, basic goods and services, yeah. access to fuel, hospital, healthcare. Yeah, fuel, internet. Like, in Canada, we were right able to, we are able to drive, like, yeah. call on WhatsApp for free. Can you imagine being imposed a tax on your WhatsApp calls? Yeah. <laughs> Phone bills are high enough already. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, so I think our episode today was really to give our listeners, to make you think, honestly, that... Has the definition of government really changed in 2019? Mm-hmm. And, and are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. What and we are, elected and are governments still by the people, for the people, and of the people or not? Yes. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow us on the socials and spread the word about us. Yep. See ya. Bye.